0: hello i am your host pamela lau welcome to real life i counted a privilege each week to bring a new guest to you and through prayer this past year i've discerned a deeper need surrounding the leadership crisis impacting each one of us Today, we're going to be releasing our third interview in a six-week series of podcasts asking the question, What is Christian leadership? What makes this series unique and useful are the incredible friends I sit down with as I interview them about their roles or previous roles as leaders. We talk about all things leadership as a Christ follower, how leading impacts their personal relationships, a time when failure calls them to question walking away, and how to support leaders ahead of them and emerging leaders in their midst, even young children. Be sure to add the podcast to your phone or device so you don't miss an episode and click on the link. Today, I am interviewing Marvin Eanes, and Marvin is the chair and assistant professor of graphic design at George Fox University. He's an experienced and award-winning graphic designer. Welcome to Real Life. Welcome Marvin to Real Life with Pamela Lau. I'm so glad to have you on our show today and before I ask you all the questions I have I would love it if you would introduce yourself to my listeners and tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now and then I'll take us back to what you've done in the past.
1: Well sure well first Pamela thank you for um, having me, it's an honor to be here and be able to have this conversation with you. But yeah, Marvin Eames. Um, grew up in the Midwest, and um, I've studied uh, graphic design, and um, and I've kind of always pursued art um, throughout my journey. And um, completed my undergrad studies, and moved on to graduate studies in design and. Found myself working in industry for almost two decades and then just felt this calling to move into the classroom space. And so I'm currently um, the chair of art and design, and I teach graphic design at George Fox University.
0: Yeah, and we're so glad you're here. So, Marvin, you said that you worked in the industry for two decades. That was a big statement. What can you unpack <laughs> that a little bit for us?
1: Uh, yeah, so. Um, As a graphic designer, I graduated um, from Ball State University back in 2003, and um, I was fortunate to to land a job uh, within the first um, three months after completing undergrad, but I had to say those first three months were a little scary, (laughs) trying (laughs) to find work. Um, So I started off actually as a freelancer, you know, freelance for for three months and things moved pretty quickly. Um, I was involved with an ad agency in Daytona Beach, Florida called S2 Advertising and did some work for them. Um, and then when I applied for my first full-time graphic design position, they actually, uh, through a company called Direct, uh, at the time it was Direct Mail Express. Um, they knew who I was uh, when I applied, just because of the work that I've done for the ad agency. and. I just thought that was super cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so DME was my first full-time position as a graphic designer. Um,
0: and were, were those yeah. the days that you had been uh, on the computer digitizing or like what kind of, what do you mean graphic designer? Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, so I created um, advertisements and print collateral for, our, for the automotive division at DME. And I was more I was known as a production designer that was kind of like the entry level graphic design position at that particular uh, place of employment. Mm -hmm. So I designed ads for various um, automotive companies like Toyota, um, BMW. And um, yeah, so I was um, working in that space. And then for about two years. And then there was an opportunity to advance to more of like a creative, like an ad agency division within DME. Wow. Uh, so I presented work and um, the lead career director was really moved by my work and wow. ended up advancing to a, a more ad agency kind of structure within the division. Um, and so there, um, that kind of really um, helped elevate um, my skill set as a designer. It pushed me, it challenged me, um, because I was working more, it was, you know, before as a production designer, it was more behind the scenes. um, And when I moved over to the ad agency, it was more direct work with clients. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it really helped me just grow as a designer and in my discipline and, um yeah so that's it it uh, makes
0: me wonder when you were growing up were you an an artist with pens and pencils or what kind of designer were you as a young person
1: yeah um so my dad um he never considered himself as a professional artist but he was an artist and he loved to draw and paint Mm -hmm. and over the summers was you know during um when school went out for the summer, that's when I was able to spend the most time with my dad, um, drawing and painting. So that's kind of where my inspiration came from, um, through my dad. Um, I, along with drawing and painting, there was an interest in architecture. Now, as a, as a seven or eight year old, I didn't know what architecture was. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but I would take cardboard and like make little like models of different like building structures and things like that <laughs> so at a young age I was creative and just interested in design and in design art. yeah, yeah. Um, and my parents realized that and I was just fortunate that they fostered that you know Absolutely. they would they would feed into that and yeah um that's a that's the area that just continued to grow and I never you know fell out of love with art and design it's always been a, a part of me
0: so even and though, what a like, gift for your students <laughs> yeah. wow yeah yeah well today i want to ask you a little bit marvin and i literally just met within this this semester um and you know that this this seasons of podcasting we're talking about leadership um, and ta- and saying yes to the next thing, really, right? And I heard a definition of leadership the other day that was you know, being intentional with your influence. I thought that was good. I liked that. I liked that focus. So I wondered, Marvin, as you share more about the, particularly how you got to this position, can you describe like a season or a moment when you accepted the call of being in leadership for the long haul? Like when you've saw, thought, you know what? This isn't just about, um, only being the creative, which is a huge gift, but there was more, right? There was more that God had. Can you describe that moment, or maybe remember it with us?
1: Yeah. So, um, so I know earlier I talked about how I worked for work in industry. Um, so I felt the call a call into ministry. Mm. Um, so once I left DME. There was a point in time where I transitioned to a publication company and worked for um, Charisma Media, so I was designing book covers for different Christian authors, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was at that time, actually, when I transitioned from DME to Charisma, where I I felt like the Lord was telling me that this is going to be temporary,
0: Mm -hmm. Um, that
1: I would end up um, going into ministry full-time as a creative. Um, And I just never thought that that was an opportunity or a space because growing up, I grew up in a pretty small church that um, great church, but it's just in terms of media and technology, we just, that wasn't really, that wasn't talked about um, and it was not a priority. Mm. Um, So I just never thought there was a space in church for a graphic designer, just was, right you know. so um after a couple of years of charisma media um you know i was always very involved in church and um served as a graphic designer for art for the church i was attending um but uh, there was a moment where opportunity came available where they wanted to bring me on full time and wow. i was i was it was it's interesting how this was a moment where I've, like, it's like I've been waiting for that moment, but I was hesitant.
0: Um, mm. I was
1: very hesitant and I was afraid.
0: Can, can um, you, I was can, afraid. Can that you articulate like, what you were afraid
1: of? Just living up to the expectation of um, being able to deliver for a ministry full-time. Um, I just, you know, just what, what those expectations were gonna look like just working in in ministry, like not just the demands from the work, but just even lifestyle. you know,
0: okay, well, let me ask you something though. did you have that hesitancy at all when when you were took the job at the creative ad agency and worked with Toyota?
1: I didn't. I didn't.
0: (laughs) Interesting. So what was the, what was it? Was it the expectation of it being Christian?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, i take, I think it was just the calling. Like it felt like, I don't wanna use the wrong words here, but it's kind of just like a a higher calling. Like I Mm -hmm. felt like, it literally felt like this was God trying to promote me or elevate me versus a person. Say, you know mm-hmm. so it was a different feeling like it was like I didn't want to let God down that's um,
0: oh that's good,
1: that's um, good. like mm-hmm. okay like I'm gonna work for a minute and for a ministry full time like mm-hmm. am I gonna let the Lord down you know like just feeling like I wasn't good enough for for that um mm-hmm. and yeah I mean that's just you know I think so obviously I was just say yes. <laughs> I ended up taking yeah. the position, right, right. Um, Good. But I just I feel like the Lord was really um, develop me, developing me, um, working in that space in ministry. Um, it went from being beyond just, a, and I don't want to say just a graphic designer. Like like design is not important, you know. I feel like design is a crucial part, mm-hmm. um, and design helps elevate and communicate the gospel um but there's this part of uh, connecting with people on a different level more um i don't consider myself a pastor but i just have moments where i could be more pastoral Mm -hmm. um leading teams and groups and creative teams and um so there I went from being a graphic designer to like a designer slash like a, like a mentor also.
0: Yes. Um,
1: So, Mm. and again, I think this is part of the Lord was just developing me and, um, but those are all great things. Like those, the Lord was stretching me. Those were growing pains, you know? Um, And fortunately I was a part of a ministry where the leader was always challenging us you know to just and want us to elevate in our walk with Christ and and just how we lived our lives. Um,
0: I mean that's that's astounding for me to hear because you don't hear this story too often do you? That your leaders right. in the especially in that particular culture sometimes you hear it's more about making money or selling books or whatever but you're saying the message you received was focus on your intimacy, your relationship with the Lord.
1: Yeah. Like our pastor was all about souls (laughs) and people's (laughs) lives. And he was like, we, you know, he really wanted to reach the masses. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a ministry built on prayer and, Mm. you know, that was, it was, it was at that place where I really learned how to pray and how to value prayer and, Mm. um, and allow for prayer to be the center of my life and Mm. just how important it is to utilize that to communicate to our Lord and to hear from our Lord and to guide everything um, that I do. Mm. Um, So, yeah. um,
0: That's that's really, that's a beautiful motivation, right? mm -hmm. Here you are. I mean, I just want to say, the most creative being of the universe is the Lord. And then he gives that gift to his people. And here you are creative and you're using it in a very disciplined daily way of life. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, I think that's pretty profound. Did did you mention, and do I see that you owned your own business at one point? Um, Yeah,
1: so just um, as a freelancer. um, Okay. Are you still doing
0: that, Marvin?
1: Yes, yeah, I have scaled back. <laughs> okay. Um, um, but yes, I still practice and it's important to still practice because that definitely helps inform um my teaching, you know, in the classroom space. So absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. And what what about you you mentioned that you are married. I don't know if you have children or not. Um, can you talk a little bit about how being in a leader in this field of design and maybe even being a leader at a university teaching college students, um, how does it work well for you as a person who is, you know, in a committed relationship? Um, How, how does it work for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, work-life balance is always a challenge. It seems like at least from my experiences, I, I would have to say that um, that's one thing that has improved actually since I've stepped into education. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the university honors that and um, things are structured in such a way to where I f- actually feel like I do get to spend more time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always tried to, somehow involve my family in what I do. That was a, that was a good thing, a positive about working at the church. Um, my wife and I actually work together at the church. So we've kind of always been like side by side in everything that we do. So and I know it's not always the case with different relationships, but um, that has helped us tremendously. And even now, um, like my wife, she practices photography. Oh, wow. So there's moments where, uh, we work together, um, uh, whether if it's a freelance project or if it's something tied to um, the classroom or the university, mm-hmm. um, she's able to be involved. Um, that,
0: that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, so I think we realized that we kind of just lean into that. Um, you know, for example, George Fox University, one of the things that really attracted me to the university was the serve day, um, where, they, where they, the whole school closes and um, everyone goes out and serves the community, and that was an opportunity for me to actually bring my son with me to be a part of that, and so, um, and he loved it, and he's only seven years old, but oh my you know, <laughs> but we were painting, um, staining uh, fences for a preschool in McMinnville, Oregon, mm-hmm. and yeah, he grabbed his little brush and started helping out and he did very well. So it's just moments like that, that I appreciate. Um, um, Just like there to bond with him and just have that time. And again, it was part of a George Fox initiative. So I really feel like I feel like George Fox does a great job of including family. Also, mm-hmm. I've noticed that with different events, they're always welcoming the family. So, the university really leans into that and nurtures that. So,
0: is that um, different than what you experienced in some of the other organizations in the last two decades?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, um, between. Uh, my last position at the church and here at fox i've I've seen a lot of that but prior to those positions Mm -hmm. um, that was not present
0: okay yeah well that's really encouraging Mm -hmm. so can you recall a couple stories when maybe just even an example of when you came against a culture's image or expectation of leadership i mean even if it wasn't necessarily when you came, against, when was maybe what someone was expecting of you, or maybe of what someone was expecting of one of the authors you worked with, something where you came against the culture's image or expectation?
1: Uh, that would probably go back more towards um, my time at DME. Um, you know, as a designer, you have, you know, I believe we have a responsibility as a designer. And um, and again, no one's perfect, but I, I try to value um, integrity through design. So there were moments where there were some different design briefs that would come across my desk where it made me uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and I think that's been like the biggest challenge working in the secular realm as a designer was the conflict between... Um, what the clients or the team or the organization needs versus what I value. Mm -hmm. Um, And that intersection was always just muddy and conflicting. And um, so initially, however, um, I was grateful at the same time that, you know i did have the option to kind of like opt out of things um and i did but then there's still like that feeling about your mind like you know i didn't really get some i didn't meet the expectations or yes. you know, did i let the organization down because i didn't want to take on that project mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. and again that was me feeling that way mm-hmm. so i don't i can't say that there was any kind of direct impact from me making those type of decisions um but yeah that's
0: it sounds like you acted from a place of integrity and character but it was hard that was a like it's almost part of the of, of a suffering a little bit if you were to say anything if you were to say i'm not going to do this or yeah 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 it's kind of like
1: you know what are my coworkers workers gonna think if i you know by me saying no, because, yeah, it's just, because it kind of, I mean, I don't know how much detail. <laughs>
0: oh, well, you can tell a story. If you want to give us an example, I think it helps our listeners.
1: Well, okay, so there's a particular project I promoted, um, um, like, certain lifestyles that I'll agree with in terms of, you know, our identities. Um, okay. And so I declined it, um, but then it also positioned me in a place where I think some of my other coworkers were like, um, just kind of felt uncomfortable around me because I didn't want to so they felt like I was against like that community. Okay,
0: so that's interesting. So it was an op- they They felt they were against, you felt them against you? Almost. Yeah,
1: hmm. so there was some explaining like, hey, like, you know, I love and respect everyone, but just I can't, I personally just can't work on this, you know, and where the organization honored that, you know, there's still just kind of like a little bit of like that separation a little bit now, because that was revealed because yes. of the project, yes. um, so it's kind of like <laughs> something that like, I didn't really talk about was revealed to the project, and, um, and over time, things were fine, but you know there was still just kind of...
0: Yeah, you feel it, you know it. Yeah. Yeah, so that leads me into the next question, which really fits this. The word support is what we talked about in our design workshop, but it's a sticking point for anyone who's leading. So for those listening, I would like you to talk a little bit, you know, from what, which direction should support come from, to a leader? Does it come from the people above you? Who's offering you support? Is it your peers? Um, I don't know if, if you even believe that people who like your students, should they be your primary support? Mm-hmm. Um, just curious about your experience with that, especially in light of, the, of what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I, in general, I feel like I'm very supported, um, like very, very supported here at um, at George Fox. Um, I feel like um, there's, I think it also takes understanding what type of Support you need, like for me, I had to realize okay, like what kind of support do I need or do I want, you know? Mm -hmm. And it takes, um, being okay with asking for help, too. You know, that's good. I mean, I think about even if I think about in the past, like other organizations, like how many times have I been frustrated by feeling like leadership wasn't showing up, but. Leadership didn't even know because I didn't communicate anything. Yeah. So I think sometimes we have that's to good. really take a self—I mean, take a look at ourselves and take a self-assessment. You know, is it pride? Is it um, insecurities? Uh, what is it? What if if there is anything blocking you from getting support or asking for support? What are those barriers? So mm-hmm. that's um, good. So I had to like really. <clears throat> um, look into myself first and then realize, um, what those barriers were and take the proper steps of removing those barriers and then being able to ask for support. I think that by the time I arrived at George Fox University, you know, I was aware of those different things. And, um, and so it was definitely a smoother experience in terms of, um, Working collaboratively with colleagues and, and and asking for help or support. If anything, now is probably more of like I just don't want to. I don't want to ask too much of other people because we're yeah. all kind of busy. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of support where I'm trying to like be um, sensitive about um, as I navigate. Just you know how much I'm actually asking of others, not out of not wanting to. Delegate or anything like that, but just being respectful of people's time and you know what they have going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective. And yet, you're also saying from back you know a minute or two ago. But what's keeping me from if I needed it, right? Right. Is it pride? <clears throat> Is it insecurity? Which mm-hmm. we all every there isn't a leader out there who doesn't face that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we we also talked about, and you might actually have a, a, a really unique perspective on this, um, that we live in a hyper individualistic society in culture. Um, and so in one of our conversations before this one, there was this talk of, well, everyone today just wants to do what they want to do and have their own individual schedule and and they want their work to revolve around their life, you know, not the other way around. Um, as versus the organization's mission and needs. Um, But if if you were to give, you know, an emerging leader some advice about that, what would you say?
1: Oh, the first thing that comes to my mind is is flexibility. Um, um, And just, you know, alignment is important. So if the organization has a specific mission um, and, and, and goals they're wanting to achieve, um, and, and if there's friction between what that, what that leader, that individual is going for versus what the mission of the university is, there's, there's always gonna be like, there's always gonna be that tension, that friction. So I think uh, communication and flexibility are, are key in navigating what the organization needs versus what the individual needs. Um, hmm.
0: Hmm. Do you find that communicating to, cause you're teaching college students. There are next, there are future leaders, right? There are future. Do you hmm. find that um, communicating back and forth with them and then with you is all that different than when you started your, your ministry and career two decades ago?
1: Um, Yes, I do feel like communication is a lot different now. And then I'm more immersed in it now, like it's every day, you know. What do you
0: mean Uh, mean by that? Um,
1: My my engagement level with young people and students are more regular um, Mm -hmm. than probably what they were in the past. So, yeah, I think I try to advocate for students, you know, in in a classroom, I try to create a real life experience for them so that Mm -hmm. everything will not actually be catered towards (laughs) what (laughs) they want. Um, Especially in design. I mean, design is one of those fields where you're always pulled. Um, It's always about what someone else needs from you, you know? Like you're creating, so you're, you're solving problems for people and um, you're always gonna kind of be at the expense of what someone else needs. So again, it's probably another situation where you have to take a step back and then, you know, there is a, there is a space and an opportunity for um and i've gone through this you know i've i've realized what my capacity is i think earlier i mentioned how yeah i still have my own business but i scaled back Mm. but it took me to be intentional about that and it's i had to realize like what my capacity what my capacity actually is and what i can deliver um because you want to honor, I want to honor my clients and their time to deliver properly. But if I'm just overloaded. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're teaching this to your students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so
1: still, yeah, so bringing it back to balance, like there is a flexibility, there is a space where you can kind of design your, you know, your time, your schedule, um, um, but, there's that, the balance part is, the balancing act is, you know, that clients will have deadlines. And yeah. so it's good to just be up front beginning, you know, if you can't meet the needs of something, so just express that, that's the communication part. Just communicate that at the very beginning and learning that it's okay to say no. And I think that's probably one of my biggest takeaways from all this is learning how to say no. Um, that... <laughs> um, that saved me a lot of stress and headache and just and it's fair to the to, yeah. the, to the other individual, you know. Yeah.
0: That's that's really good advice to hear for people. I do think, especially in when you're a creative, you know, you just you never want it to end, right? You just want to like, say yes yeah. to everyone and join in the project because it's so much fun to collaborate. Yeah. Um, so to end our time, Marvin. Um, And this is, this isn't to at all to make you feel like something's wrong, but it's just, it's such a good question for, for us as leaders to talk about, but might you have a time when you failed as a leader or maybe faced a dark time and considered walking away?
1: Yeah. So, um, so prior to coming to George Fox, I was working in ministry. I was Working for a church for, gosh, fifteen—it was fifteen years uh, where I worked and served there, and yeah, there's there's plenty of times where just in, on a practical level where I failed in terms of, you know, leading projects that just that failed.
0: Okay. <laughs> um,
1: and then there's and there's a lot of pressure that comes with working within a church. Um so all kind of thoughts and just where I was spiritually and different things, and just the way I would see things play out in church. Not that it's it was anything wrong, but it was just kind of like, I was just kind of having like a different perspective on just the ideas of church and just what that looks like. Um, so there were plenty of times where <laughs> where I wanted to walk a walk away from ministry. Um, and I think a lot of that was just dealing with the pressures and is how much time and it demands of an individual um, mm-hmm. to work in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the, what kind of kept me from leaving. Mm-hmm. um was feeling like I was walking out on God <laughs> oh. like it's interesting how mm-hmm. you know, when you're so involved you feel like um that's is how I felt I felt like if I quit church that was quitting God mm-hmm. and it took years for me to realize that and this is not to downplay ministry but at the end of the day you know it was my, it was my job. It was my place of employment. You know, I, I received a paycheck, you know? So, and, you know, I don't know why I was so blinded by this, but it took a long time to realize that like ministry is not, ministry is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so that me leaving the church was not me walking out on God. It was just me, going from one career to another career it's just that my career happened to involve full-time ministry if that makes sense so that
0: makes perfect sense it
1: took a while it took a it took long a while. time to realize that um because I really wanted to teach but I was scared to teach because I felt like because I had that kind of just hovering over me like if I leave the church that And and not just that, but even the people I was connected with there. I mean, it was a lot that to leave, you know. Um, But I just, but I realized that, you know, if I really wanted to grow and, and be challenged and that I needed to make these transitions in life and through a lot of prayer for a long time, I finally realized that you know, I can make this change and that it is a godly change and I'm not walking out in the Lord. It's just just a different career path. I
0: think teaching students is a huge ministry. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I (laughs) I taught for more than 25 years, whether full or part-time, and it is truly ministry. And I like what you're saying, though, from going back. There's a different structure here. Yeah. yeah. can hire
1: it yeah yeah
0: well one last one last word of advice for emerging leaders and those who are leading maybe who are burning out in the middle maybe at the top what's what's your what's your one or two things you want them to know what's your advice marvin um
1: not to put so much pressure on yourself as leaders mm-hmm. um Be okay with making mistakes and failing. I mean, that's a part. That's part of learning, Um, and just create space for yourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, let you know turn it off. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes it's hard to turn off work. You know, you want to be up late at night or get up super early, but it's like there has to be that headspace that happens and it's in those and I've, I've found lately that it's in those quiet times of nothing where it feels like i'm not doing anything where i feel like i'm really letting the lord speak to me and and i'm seeing like i'm having like other ideas and other you know innovative ideas taking place so it's okay to like to just take a break.
0: That's so good. <laughs> Every I day. Just, yeah. <laughs> even, even a couple of weeks ago, I was so burdened by so many requests that I need to bring before the Lord. I decided to do it in silence.
1: Yeah. And yeah, then so he I, speak. Yeah. <laughs> and so taking breaks and doing nothing is actually productive, yeah. I feel. And, you know, and not, it's just not putting so much pressure on ourselves. I see that in our students. They put so much pressure on ourselves and they want everything to be figured have, have to have everything figured out right away but it's just not the reality and it doesn't have to be that way so yeah.
0: good word good word let's take it into our day thank you so much for being on the show and I can't wait to catch up with you again to find out what the next year is going to hold because it sounds like you've got a lot going on thank you Marvin for being thank here
1: thank you thank you so much